and welcome to the Kids Planet Podcast. An opportunity to explore the highs and lows of raising under fives. Here are your hosts from the Kids Planet marketing team, Sarah Murphy and Emma Pulowski. So hello and welcome to this month's podcast. We'll be learning and discussing all things weaning, which if you don't know, is the journey of getting baby onto solid foods. So from baby readiness to gagging versus choking to allergies and nutrition, we've got it covered. We brought in top weaning expert Sophie Barron, founder of Mama Made, and Katie Shelton of Scrummy Tummies to give their thoughts and tips on the weaning journey. Hello both and welcome. Um, would you mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background info on yourselves and how you got into this line of work? Um, shall we start with Sophie? Yeah, hi. Thank you so much again for having me on your podcast. Um, so I'm the founder of Mama Made. We are a direct-to-consumer company specializing in infant and child nutrition, but with a particular focus on supporting parents throughout that journey. My background, I've always had a particular interest um, in child nutrition, um, in nutrition in general. And then when it came time to um, <clears throat> introducing solids to my daughter, just being overwhelmingly shocked at um, not only the quality of the foods on the shelf, but also the quality of the resources available to parents. So I started Mama Made um, out of my home kitchen, and we're now a community of about 40,000 parents um, just offering advice, support, coaching, and um, tools like really good food. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and Katie? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm Katie, I'm the founder of Scrummy Tummies. And uh, Scrummy Tummies was born during lockdown, actually. And uh, it came about after I'd weaned my little girl, Ella. And I found there was very little support out there for other parents weaning, particularly those that wanted to explore baby-led weaning. So um, I now support other parents through their weaning journey, through our courses, uh, offering meal ideas, recipes, uh, and also through our online weaning shop as well. Amazing. Great. Yeah. So let's get into it then. Um, When is the best time to start weaning? And are there any kind of specific signs of baby redness um, to look out for? Readiness, sorry. So the NHS guidance is that your baby should be around six months old. Now, about... 18 to 20 years ago, this used to be a lot younger. It used to be about four months. So when we were probably weaned by our our parents, it would have been a lot earlier. Um, But the guidance now based on research is that they should be around six months old and they should also be showing the three signs of readiness. So those three signs of readiness are that your baby can stay in a sitting position. Ideally, if they are a sitter without support, that's even better, but they don't necessarily need to be as long as they can sit and hold their head steady, supported in a high chair, just so there's no risk of them slumping to one side and potentially choking. The second one to look out for is that they have a good eye, hand and mouth coordination. So if they see a piece of food on their uh, plate or high chair tray, that they're able to pick it up for themselves and guide it to their mouth. And then the last one to look out for is that they've lost their tongue thrust. So they are actually able to swallow food and they're not necessarily spitting it or pushing it back out with their tongue the second that goes into their mouth. And a good way of checking that is if they've got a teether, like a Sophie giraffe toy, um, or even if they've got a weaning spoon that you can give them to put in their mouth. If they're Mm. constantly pushing that back out again, that's a sign that maybe they're not quite ready. Oh, thanks. That's really helpful. So do you recommend... um, starting the first taste through pureed smoother food or getting straight onto solids um and are there 
benefits to either method or is one better in your opinion so I don't think there's a better way of weaning your baby I think it's personal choice I think it's down to how you what you're comfortable with and what you're happy with and also sometimes the baby makes the decision so Mm. um there's there's three ways you can you can wean your baby. There's the traditional weaning, which is the puree spoon feeding your baby mashed or pureed food, um, and then over time, obviously, you introduce more lumpier textures, and then they'll transi- transition onto more solid food. Baby led weaning, where they're feeding themselves whole pieces of food, so it might be like a steamed piece of broccoli, and that's right from the beginning of their journey. Um, they do very quickly end up eating the same foods as the rest of the family, which can be quite convenient rather than um, having to buy specific baby food. Um, and the baby really takes the lead, so the baby's really in control. Um, but some people like to do a combination of the two, uh, and there's no harm in doing that either. So some people like to give a piece of, um, say, steamed carrot but then also a pureed version of that as well and that's a good way of seeing if your baby has a preference or if you have a preference on what way you want to wean but there is no right or wrong there's no better way of weaning your baby it's whatever you and and your baby are most comfortable with baby led weaning is really messy so if you're someone that doesn't like mess um you're not going to like baby led weaning there are there are things out there that can help you things like the bibidoo cover or bibs are brilliant at, at keeping your baby clean but it is really messy and traditional's not that messy because you're putting the food straight into the baby's mouth um baby led weaning you can't always tell how much your baby's eaten because it can end up in their lap on the floor the dog ends up eating it um whereas <laughs> traditional you can see because it was probably you know it pureed into a bowl and then you can see how much is left um so sometimes people like the the peace of mind of knowing how much their baby's actually had um but with baby led they can eat the same foods as the rest of the family there obviously are some things you need to tweak but generally they're kind of the same whereas traditional they normally have their own specially prepared food um so that's obviously more time for you doing that on the side um and some people say that if they are baby-led, they tend to eat a more variety of food, so they tend to be less picky as they're older. Um, so, yeah, there's pros and cons to both. One of the main points I suppose is important to get across is that there's really no right or wrong. Um, and as Katie has said, often the baby sort of chooses the way. I think certainly a lot of parents that we speak to feel a lot of pressure around, oh, well, my baby won't take to baby led weaning and therefore they're going to be fussy eating and I want to prevent fussy eating. So I'm going to force baby led weaning, but my baby doesn't want it to, you know, there's all these mm. sort of layers and ins and outs and ups and downs in the weaning journey. And I think the main thing is really just creating a positive mealtime experience for your baby, introducing variety, as Katie has said, whether that's you know via the spoon or via self-feeding, um, and really creating an atmosphere where your baby begins to appreciate the kind of benefits and excitement around being at the table with the family, particularly. Um, and just reminding yourself, you know, there's no right or wrong. And often the baby really does decide the way. Brilliant. OK. And how would you recommend parents kind of prepare themselves ahead of starting to wean? So in terms of what to buy, like research and um, the main allergens to be aware of? So, I mean, there's there's not much that a parent needs Um I guess if they're, you know, a good high chair that has um, a supporting footstool is quite important to make sure that your child's actually sitting up properly and is supported. Um, softer spoons can help. I mean, a lot of the weaning material out there, like the baby blenders and the coverall bibs and all these things are, are I always say are nice to have. So, you know, if you wanted to wean your, your baby without any of that, you still could. The main thing I find is to really educate yourself around um, 
for us, at least at Mama Made, what we focus on is promoting a healthy relationship with food um, and creating environments where parents can feel confident about how they're feeding their child and equally that their baby then creates you know, good relationships with food. So you're, you're not forcing your baby to eat anything if they don't want to, you're not for, you know, forcing them through if they're very upset, um, making sure you're knowledgeable around what's the difference between choking and gagging, which we can talk about a bit later. Um, and, and making sure that you feel calm in yourself, because if it's a stressful environment for anybody, it's not going to go very well. Um, so we really focus in particular around that kind of positive mindset around weaning. Oh, and, um, do you have any sort of tips on being prepared or what to look out for in case of any allergic reactions? I know that's something that people do tend to talk about a lot when they start thinking about weaning. Um, how can people be prepared? What can people look out for kind of thing? So when you're introducing allergens, introduce your potential allergen foods one at a time. So don't introduce them together. So then if you were to see an allergic reaction or your little one was to have some kind of adverse reaction, you know what's caused that reaction because they've only had the one um, potential allergen. There is a long list of um, all the main high-risk allergen foods on the NHS website, so you can have a look on there. But the main ones for children are normally like eggs, milk, tree nuts, peanuts, soya, that kind of stuff. Um, only introduce it if your baby is well um, and introduce early in the day as well. So if your little one was to have a reaction, you are then able to keep an eye on them for the rest of the day um, so you can look up any kind of potential signs. And um, only give a tiny amount to begin with. So if you're introducing peanut butter, for instance, then only introduce like a quarter um, of a teaspoon and mix it through something like their porridge. Or if you're doing traditional weaning, you can mix it through um, one of their meals um, or one of their vegetables um, and then see if they have a reaction. If they don't have a reaction, then you can you can increase it the next day um, and increase it over time until you're comfortable that there is no, there is no allergen. Um, leave it three days before introducing another one. So say you've finished introducing allergen the peanut allergen on day three then wait till day six before you introduce another one um that's just again so you can see if there was an allergy what was what was causing that um but yeah it although some of them are common things like the eggs and the milk normally if they are to have an if they are to have an adverse reaction it's not it's not a serious one um but obviously you do need to you do need to keep an eye on them um just in case there is because it does happen but it is quite rare Perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, Sophie, did you have any, anything to add to that as well? Yeah, I think that's a really good point that Katie's just made is that, you know, oftentimes allergies can, how do I put this, that parents who are, that have um, allergic children can be quite vocal on social media and rightfully so because they find a lot of information and community there. But actually, if you look at the numbers, it's still very, very rare to have an allergy. Um, and try to stay calm about it exactly as Katie's um, suggested doing one at a time quite slowly um, but also knowing that quite early on in the weaning journey as scary as it might be for you to um, introduce because for things like egg um, in particular the evidence shows that the earlier it's introduced actually can help avoid um, uh, an allergic reaction in, in children so earlier the better and consistently um, because sometimes a reaction will come up on like the fourth or fifth time if not the first time so um yeah, but again, staying calm because in, in actuality, it's still quite rare. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I actually have seen, I'm in some groups online on weaning and I've seen people sat 
um, testing their child with food sat outside the hospital in the car because they're so scared. It is really scary. And there's so much online really? to make it scarier. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that because I've, I've just weaned. Well, I'm weaning my baby now, as you both know. Um, and it, I've said to my partner, like, maybe we should do that because I'm a bit of a scaredy cat anyway. But I guess you just have to keep a clear head. I didn't do that, by the way, but I was tempted to. And if if your baby was going to go into anaphylactic shock, that is really rare. It's more likely that they might have a little bit of, you know, red skin around their mouth or if yeah. they have eczema, it might flare it. Um, the anaphylactic is is very rare. Obviously, it does happen, but it's very, very rare. They are, they are more likely to have a much more milder reaction, like upset tummy, that kind of stuff. Mm. Good to know. Thank you. Um, and also, um, Sophie did mention this um, a little bit before, but I wanted to see if you could give us a quick guide um, on gagging versus choking, um, just things to look out for, how to tell the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's why even with the allergies, we recommend everyone do a first aid course before starting um, weaning. Often people do it in pregnancy anyway, so then you've, you're kind of equipped for that. Um, gagging is a completely normal reflex. Um, it's towards the front of the mouth in younger babies by about nine, ten months. It's at the back of the mouth. So usually by about that time, babies are gagging a lot less frequently. Um, but the big difference we always say is that gagging can be actually noisy and choking is often quite silent. Um, so it's really a quiet baby in a high chair that you should be worried about. Anything like sputtering, coughing, um, that's that's actually part of the process of how they're learning to swallow and, get used, and move food around in their mouths and get used to it. Um, they might appear a bit red. Um, that's still gagging. That's normal. Um, again, choking their airways will be blocked. Usually they're a bit silent. Um, they may turn a bit blue. That's when you want to start, um, you know, with your back flaps um, and trying to dislodge um, anything that's blocking an airway. Um, with gagging, we always say to to kind of let the baby get on with it, as scary as it is, um, because when you intervene, you can, in, you can cause a panic that can actually cause them to choke. Um, so I'm not saying you will, but I'm just saying, you know, understanding that gagging is part of their process of learning how to move food around. Um, they're quite sensitive in their mouths at this age and leave them to it unless um, it really seems like they're struggling to breathe or it starts to seem like they're getting quieter and like they're choking. I used to sit on my hands to stop myself from <laughs> with Ella when she was gagging because it, it is it is scary. You do you do want to intervene, but it's it's so hard to like resist yourself from taking the food off them so I used to sit on my hands to stop myself from and from interfering and just let her get on with it because yeah as Sophie said that it can then cause them to choke mm, that's a really good tip actually yeah <laughs> and Katie it's do so you hard to add? <laughs> um just that yeah just to reinforce what Sophie said really if you can get yourself on a, on a choking course, because knowing what to do if your little one was to choke um, will really help, not only, obviously, in the situation at the time, it could potentially save your baby's life, um, but also with yeah. your confidence. I think sometimes if you're, um, if you're stressed or worried about your little one choking, your little one can pick up on that behaviour and, and, and might then make them nervous about eating, whereas if you're confident that, OK, it's unlikely that my little one is going to choke. Obviously, it can happen, but if it does happen, I know exactly what I need to do to get that food out of my baby's mm. windpipe, um, I think is really important. We do actually offer um, these Zoom courses in conjunction with Mini First Aid. Um, they are choking courses specifically for um, parents who are weaning. So we do those every, every other month. So if you are interested in doing one, have a look on our website because we do offer them on there. 
yeah um do you want to share the web page so listeners can go on there yeah so it's www.scrummytummies.com and then you'll find it under the online courses so there a there is zoom course that's done every other month but you don't actually have to attend the zoom live so we run them live and then what we do is we send everybody that signed up a copy of the recording afterwards so if you have been able to watch it but maybe you couldn't hear it all because you've got a little one in the background or you you missed it completely or you want to share it with your um partner or other caregivers then you're able to then forward that recording on them as well so or some people like to watch it again and again just so that it's really reinforcing their mind the actions they need to take so yes that's on our website um, and online courses brilliant amazing thank you um yeah so the next question is are there any kind of foods that should be avoided in the first uh, few months um i know there's hard no's on things like honey and salt do you know why that is or if there's anything else that should be added to that list of no's as well so honey is because um it can cause a bacteria in the little tummy that can something called infant botulism so it needs to be completely avoided until they're a year old um so that's why honey is a complete complete no salt is because too much salt can um, affect baby's kidneys their kidneys can't cope with it so um there's things you can do to reduce the amount of salt that your baby has things like um, avoiding shop-bought pasta sauces um switching your butter to unsalted butter stock cubes tend to be really high in salt so you can get either really low salt stock cubes or you can actually get zero salt stock cubes now um, and use things like um, herbs and spices to um, flavour your little one's meals rather than using the salt. You can always add salt to adults' meals afterwards. So if you've cooked a family dinner and you, you've taken, left the salt out completely, you can always add it to you know your own meal when, when it comes to eating. Um, but yeah, that's they're, they're kind of like the two main ones. Things like... Um, whole nuts are ch- a, a choking hazard, so you'd, you'd avoid giving a little one a whole nut um, or a peanut. But ground nuts are fine. Obviously, we've spoke about the allergens already, but ground nuts are fine. Um, you can mix them through like porridge, things like that. Um, but yeah, other things that are choking, <coughs> things like popcorn, people are quite surprised by that one. Um, obviously, oh, like right, popcorn. okay. Yeah, popcorn, they don't recommend you give that until they're five. Is there any others? Sophie that you can think of um yeah I think, I think that's just it it's um you know maybe very salty foods as well so I mean things like olives waiting until they're one um there are other foods that can be naturally higher in salt like perhaps like um anchovies that the kind of if you give them a quick rinse beforehand um, before serving um actually like the nutritional density of them sort of outweighs the issue of the salt so not being too sort of obsessive about naturally occurring salt but being mindful when you are offering cheeses for example um at the salt content and trying to balance that out during the day um but no i think i think that's pretty much it it's it's it isn't a bit you know have fun with it <laughs> there's lots of things yeah. out there to play around with yeah. hams and, and how about bacons um, and other ones they're quite salty meats so and it's just it's just about like they have it. It's just thinking about okay, so more you know something a bit saltier today. So maybe they have a, a less saltier day tomorrow, or and just try and balance it out over the week. The um, advice is um, 
a gram a day or under a gram a day. So you, you just need to have a look at, I used to have a look at the packet and see what it was per serving and then think, actually, how much of that serving am I going to offer her? And then actually, how much of that serving is she actually going to eat? Probably very little, especially in the early days. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to be mindful of it and then balancing out over the week if you can. Yeah, <clears throat> really good advice. Thank you both. Um, on that, I was just going to ask, um, what are some some herbs that you would recommend um, to put in baby food? Um, I was talking to Sarah about this the other day, actually. I made my baby some carrots and put some coriander in it and he really wasn't keen at all, <laughs> only a little bit. Um, but is there any herbs that are kind of foolproof that they really like or... Any that you shouldn't use? Hopefully not coriander. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always say to think about it in terms of there's sort of different types of herbs. There's the kind of aromatic herbs, things like rosemary or thyme. Um, and then there's the ones that pack a bit more heat. So um, like paprika or chili. Um, and so being, or ginger as well and, and garlic. So being mindful of kind of how much of those ones you're putting in. But it's amazing to introduce herbs. And if your baby didn't like the coriander on the first go, you know, mm. it can take, unfortunately, upwards of, of 10, 15 times to, for someone yeah. to get used to a new taste. So not to give up wow. and not to say like, oh, my baby doesn't like coriander. Um because this is the, the time of exploration and discovery, and, and it's just a question of getting used to these tastes. Um, and coriander is obviously a bit of a divisive one, but... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. Exactly. So you just have to keep at it. And um, there's really no off-limits. Even with the hotter ones, um, you know, you can do a bit of heat. Um, certainly many cultures do, obviously just being mindful of how much. Um, but... No, I wouldn't even say there are any off-limits. I, I think it's an amazing time. Babies, especially from 6 to 12 months, are, they're such takers. Um, their palates are so receptive. So certainly have fun with it. Oh, also, they'll, they'll, um, they'll pull faces at, at all sorts, and it doesn't necessarily mean they don't like it. Sometimes it's just because it's different. It's new, and they're like... And, and some people sometimes think, oh, they don't like it. I, I gave them it, and they pulled a face, and it means they don't like it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just new it's different it's probably never had you know anything that tastes anything like coriander before as well. yeah this is interesting what's this um so yeah so what would you both recommend as like a starter routine when introducing foods and fitting around milk feeds and um does it differ if you're breastfeeding versus bottle feeding oh it's so i mean i think there's no right or wrong answer here again um i think the important thing is to find a meal time that works for you and your schedule and there is going to naturally be some trial and error um and for example my my daughter when I was weaning her she loved her routine we had a routine at six months I sort of saw very clearly where to introduce the solids and and it you know felt very clear-cut um I started with um like around 10 30 and then I added in um breakfast and then I added in dinner and it was very straightforward my son on the other hand um, he's still breastfeeding at six months, um, on demand. We were not in any kind of routine. And for the first three months of weaning, I would say I was just giving him something to taste or eat when I sort of felt like there was a gap, but it was not the same day to day. And it, <laughs> it took him ages to sort of get into a rhythm. And then we did. So I would say, you know, find a time that works for you when, and works for your baby when they're alert, when they're awake, they're not, it's, it's sort of this magic period of when they're not too hungry they're not too tired um mm -hmm. and they can really enjoy it and then it, it can take time for the 
for routine to sort of percolate around that, um, but to just stay consistent um, and not put too much pressure. A lot of parents get stressed out, you know, especially that we speak to that their baby's not yet on three meals. Um, we would usually say by around nine, 10 months, you'd expect a baby to be on three meals comfortably. So there's time, take it, take it at the, at the pace that your baby's um, showing that they need. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thanks. Um, just with you breastfeeding, Sophie, um, I was just wondering if you had any trouble with um, introducing water and if you had any advice on getting baby to drink from either a bottle or a cup or anything like that. Cause I know people um, who exclusively breastfeed on demand, they can have problems with like bottle resistance and things like that. Do you have any tips on that side of things? <laughs> yeah, I had a um, really bad bottle aversion with my baby. Um, and uh. it's actually a blog on our website, on mamamadefoods.com. It's probably our number one most read blog. Um, oh, really? <laughs> it's really so common and it can be so frustrating. So with, um, I actually did find that my baby was happy to take water from a cup. Um, despite his bottle aversion up until that point. Um, so we started with an open cup. So there's a few. There's a company called Baby Cup. There's a company called um, Doidy, I think. Um, yeah. And then we used um, Baby Busa, had a really small little open cup. Um, the Tommy Tippy Free Flow Cup, you want to use something that doesn't have a valve, that doesn't require sucking. Um, and it can be a bit messy as a result, but it's really important for them to learn how to to swallow the liquid without it being a sucking um, sensation. That's that's just for going mm -hmm. forward and for their teeth and for their muscle development. So, yeah, an open cup. Um, and then just to be persistent, um, to offer it, you know, at every mealtime opportunity that you're giving them. They don't necessarily need it between meals um, at all unless it's beastly hot. But even then, if they're, if they're um, breastfeeding on demand, you'd continue on with breastfeeding. So, um, yeah, just at mealtime, even one sip, you know, that's a win um, and build it up as with everything else. Great. Thank you. Um, so moving on, what if um, your baby shows no interest in food after trying for a considerable amount of time? And what do you think would be a considerable amount of time? So I would say... Sorry, Sophie. No, no, you go for it. You go for it. I, about. I was just going to say, I think Sophie did touch on it earlier about sometimes it can take a, a baby up to 10 to 15 times to accept a new taste, texture, flavour, um, food. So what what I would say is repeat exposure. Keep offering that those foods to your little one. Don't give up. Um, if your little one is picking the food up, they're touching it, they're smelling it, they're licking it, they're throwing it, they're playing with it, that's all part of their learning development. So they're, they're still learning, even if they're not necessarily putting it in their mouth, chewing it and swallowing it, they're still taking those steps to get to that stage. Um, if you're doing baby led weaning, it can take quite a few weeks before your little one is repeatedly picking up food, putting it in their mouth, chewing it and swallowing it. So stick with it. They seem to just get it one day. They just kind of understand what they need to do. And once they've got it, then it, it, they understand what they need to do and then they continue that, that kind of process. So um, keep at it. If there's a particular food that they're rejecting, still offer that food, but offer it alongside something else so that you know that you're offering them a food that they normally would accept and then keep offering the food that they keep rejecting because one day you'll find they will just pick that food up and eat it um i had it with 
with my little girl with egg. So she ate egg from six months old until about a year old. Then suddenly she decided scrambled egg was not for her and she didn't want to touch it again. Um, I kept offering it to her, but not just scrambled egg on its own. So I'd offer it alongside, you know, maybe some tomatoes and, um, you know, other foods. And then after, it was about 10 months later of keeping offering the egg, she just started eating it again and now she eats egg fine wow um yeah it's really strange it is strange but yeah what i'd say is keep offering it um they they will pick it up um it's just going to take some time it's a whole new skill that they've got to learn and they're not they're not going to just pick it up straight away necessarily I was going to say actually um because I was going to ask you next um when does picky to normally start to emerge um but also I've heard recently um that I think you have to sort of introduce a lot of foods by 12 months um, because after that they do start to push things away. But then I've recent, more recently heard that it could be 10 months and my baby's 10 months now and is actually starting to reject foods, which he hasn't before. So I was just wondering, <clears throat> when does that normally start to emerge? Um, and when should you... Sort, I know people make these big lists, don't they, and aim to give their baby loads of different foods by 12 months but should it be earlier or when do they typically start to say no to things if that makes sense it's, yeah as you've said it's sort of around sorry sorry Katie no Sophie you go <laughs> no, <laughs> as you've said it, it is sort of around that toddler age so around like usually around 12 months um it can start to emerge where they start to have a lot stronger opinions a bit of fussy eating and actually for that reason i'm i'm sort of categorically against these checklists um because it gives the impression that if you offer a food once you're sort of one and done and then that's it Mm, when actually the whole process of of creating these eaters that are confident at the table that are adventurous they're happy to try new things it actually comes down to repeated exposure lots of variety it comes down to um, attitudes around the table um feeling comfortable with family So there's a lot of different, and then some babies just are picky eaters, and that's just how it is. So uh, there's so many different elements that create sort of empowered eaters um, that I wouldn't obsess necessarily over, Have you know, I haven't introduced plum, I haven't introduced artichoke, and and think more in terms of how can I keep introducing variety, and how can I stay calm when my baby's telling me that they don't want something. Um, And it's about exactly as Katie has said, like, not making a big deal of it, don't you know, not forcing them to eat anything ever, but putting it on their plate. So I can give a very similar story to to Katie's daughter. My daughter um, used to eat absolutely everything. Um, one day started refusing mushroom. And over the course of about a year, just kept putting mushroom on her plate. And she'd say, I don't like mushroom. Okay, don't have to eat it then. But it was there, a tiny amount, and it was there. One day she turned to me, I love mushrooms. Now she's obsessed with mushrooms. Really? I mean, it's completely, it's completely random. Like, they, they just have, you know, some of it is power play. Some of it is they just need to see it. They just need to look at it. They need to pick it up and tell you they don't like it. And then um, eventually they get used to it. So, um, yes, it can happen as early as 10 months, but how you react to it um, will actually make a huge difference so not to worry yeah. too much really no, <laughs> I, think what, I think what some people do is they they'll say oh so if I could have said oh Ella's stopped eating eggs so she doesn't eat eggs so then you restrict that from their diet so before before you know it once they've rejected something a couple of times you've restricted so much from their diet that you've almost made them picky eaters because you're then not offering them the stuff that they previously rejected and yeah. um, so it's really yeah it's really important to keep offering offering those foods i feel slightly differently about the checklist i actually like the checklist because 
I feel like I understand what Sophie's saying is you don't want to just do it once because you need to continuously offer a variety of foods. But I think it's good to give inspiration to people that might not necessarily know what to offer and think that maybe certain foods are off limits. So I think it's it's nice for some people to have that checklist, but it, it is only there for inspiration it's not there as a, yeah. a tick box exercise of yep given that done they're never you know they're never, never going to be fussy for that food again um but maybe for some people that aren't sure what they can give their baby and they might see something on a list and go oh actually but there shouldn't be any pressure around that there shouldn't be an age by that you know they, they should you know do it by a bit some people like the challenge like to you know have something to kind of aim towards yeah definitely I wonder how often your taste buds change as well. It was interesting you were saying about putting the mushrooms on the plate and then eventually she liked them again. I should say that wasn't even like she tasted it in between that time. It was literally every single time she just picked it up and like threw it at me basically. Um, right. It wasn't like she was taking taste and her taste buds were getting used to it. She was just getting used to seeing right. it on the plate. Yeah, um, I see what so you yeah. mean. That was the same with the egg though. Exactly the same. She didn't yeah. touch it for about 10 months, didn't even try it. And then suddenly she, she, it was actually, we went on holiday and she normally would sit in a high chair and eat her food, but she'd sat on my husband's lap and he was eating scrambled egg and she wanted some of his egg. And then suddenly she, she was an egg eater again. <laughs> strange. So strange. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? Um, when do you both think that you should introduce cutlery to a baby? You can start as soon as, as you start, really, um, from about six months. There's an amazing brand um, that we use at home called Doddle, and it's um, like ergonomically perfect for baby hands, um, and it's a great way to get a baby practicing with the cutlery. Um, obviously, they you, what ends up happening typically is sort of the baby's actually feeding themselves with their hands, but then they're holding the spoon in the other, they're holding the fork in the other, but it, it's great to get them used to it. We've actually done a live on that on our Instagram page, if anyone wants to check it out, on the kind of introducing cutlery from such a young age. Um but that's also to say not to freak out if your baby's not comfortable using cutlery. Um, I think any time from about between two and three is usually when they become a lot more comfortable using it. Until then, they're still using their hands for quite a bit. I'd second that. I absolutely love the Doddle cutlery. I think it's amazing. Uh, we use that for Ella. Um, they do two sets. They do a six-month plus set, which is uh, more of like a plastic material. And then they do the 12-month plus set, which is the stainless steel. Um, so, yeah, we actually sell both of those on our website at scrummytummies.com um but i think that their cutlery is brilliant because of the shape of it it's so easy for little ones to hold because it's not really long um you know spoons or handles for them to pick up it's so easy for them to put in their mouths but as sophie said it does take a little while for them to pick it up to begin with it will just end up on the floor all the time um, but <laughs> it is good to get them in the habit of having it and using it and just even if they just pick it up Oh, perfect. I'm definitely going to check that out, actually, because um, my little boy, he uses spoons only still, and he's 10 months, maybe I should have done it earlier, actually. But he um, he definitely uses the long stem to ping things at me or my dog. <laughs> so I think maybe something shorter <laughs> would be good. Um, but just, um, just moving on a little bit, actually, it's a bit of a separate um, subject, really, but... Um, do either of you have, with it being Veganuary and everything, do you have any thoughts or recommendations on introducing baby to a vegan or plant-based diet? And if, well, whether vegan or not, actually, do you recommend any supplements for baby? Um, I know some people give like syrups in milk and stuff like that for extra vitamins. Um, 
kind of two separate questions thinking about it, but do you recommend anything uh, like that? So your baby can absolutely be raised on a vegan diet um, and it's typically most successful when the entire family is vegan um, and when you're working in conjunction with a nutritionist who's specialized in children's um, nutrition and also vegan diets. Um, so we work with one, um, her name is Paula Hallam. She's on Instagram as Tiny Tots Nutrition um, and also our um, in-house nutritionist that Mama made, um, Jenna Hope, who approves all of our recipes, all of our recipes being completely plant-based. Um, I think Veganuary is an amazing opportunity for families to explore how they can add more plants into their diet, how they can explore um, plant-based uh, sources of protein that you know maybe you yourself aren't familiar with, but your baby can take, would love to try. So things like tofu, like lentils, um, other pulses. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily just say like, okay, my baby's vegan and then like, that's it. You know, it does take a little bit more yeah. work um, in terms of vitamins and supplements. Um, anyway, in the UK, every child um, up to the age of five is recommended to take um, vitamins A, C, and D. Um, so we certainly recommend multivitamins for um for plant-based babies or families thinking about plant-based um, diets for their families. And then when it comes to kind of milks, um, we've just done a blog actually on transitioning to a plant-based milk, which I've done for my son. Um, and we've gone with a, um, a fortified soya milk, um, which matches not perfectly, but quite well the levels of protein and calories and vitamins um, found in cow's milk. Um, and that was a personal choice, um, but it's also not necessarily a choice for some families whose babies can't have cow's milk. Um, so it's certainly possible. Um, our menu is completely plant-based and that's really um, on purpose to help parents explore different ways of introducing more plants. But um, yeah, it's certainly not as simple as, as sort of for an adult just waking up and saying, I'm, I'm going to be vegan tomorrow. It definitely takes yeah. a bit more homework, but very doable, very doable. It's just worth adding, if you are formula feeding your baby that formula will be fortified with vitamins so they'd only need the um, added supplements of the a c and d that sophie mentioned once they're having less than 500 mils of formula a day oh okay that's good to know thank you brilliant thank you both yeah and um, we're actually going to go into a special new feature um for this podcast as has been so much like conflicting advice out there on weaning um so we wanted to do a feature on um myth busting so to start with this, um, I've heard that you, the later you introduce some allergens, um, the more likely your baby is to actually develop a reaction. Is that true? And if so, or if not, um, when is the best to have all eight allergens covered? That's somewhat true. <laughs> there's some truth to it. Um, there's some evidence in science that shows that's true of egg and peanut in particular. Um, so um, introducing peanuts, for example, very early on, um, usually as soon as babies start. So I actually, from a, even before six months, actually was introducing um, like puffed peanut snacks that you can find online and egg mixed into purees. That's particularly true if there's a family history of those um, allergies. So the earlier, the better for those. Um, with cow's milk, um, often you will have identified that allergy by the time of weaning, be it um, via the breast milk or formula, which are um, nearly all the formulas on the on the market are cow milk based. Um, so there's some truth to that with um, eggs and peanuts in particular. Perfect. And um, thank you for that. Um, and another one that I've heard is um, that you should introduce savoury foods before sweet foods because um, baby will only eat sweet food if you start with that. Is there any truth in that? <laughs> 
So babies are born with a naturally sweet tooth, so they're more likely to readily accept the sweeter food. So there is some research that says if you offer that baby more bitter foods first, they're more likely to continue to accept them um, than if you're offering the sweet foods first. So, yeah, there is there is some truth to that. OK, brilliant. Um, and the next myth, um, is milk at bedtime bad for teeth? Um, it depends. So, yes, you want to make sure that you're brushing your child's teeth after they've had their milk, um, which is logistically sometimes very difficult for parents, but um, just being aware of it. Um, and being mindful that after the age of one, they really should be drinking their milk out of a cup and not out of a bottle. Um, those are all things that you can do to kind of help um, decrease the effects of milk on teeth. Um, but I'm the first to acknowledge that those are both very difficult things to do. Um, babies, <laughs> babies tend to either fall asleep with their milk or not want a cup of milk. So I, I'm, I'll tell you what you're supposed to do, not not what actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and this is one that I actually read in one of these groups I'm in the other day, um, and it was that babies are just as likely to choke on pureed food as they would be on a solid food um, given, you know, if you're doing baby led weaning, you know, a cut up piece of broccoli or something. Is that true? It is. And, and people are surprised by that. Because yeah, I was. It's a solid piece of food. But, but I think the the logic behind it is that the baby learns to chew the solid food very quickly. So they quickly become quite competent at chewing because they're being offered solid food all the time. Um, but yeah, there isn't any evidence to show that they're more likely to choke if they do baby led weaning than they are if they do traditional. Right. Which is well, quite interesting to like the, the grandparent generation that are normally really fearful if you say to them, I'm going to do baby led weaning. I know I've had it on calls in the past where um, they've, you know, I've had pushback from the parents that are with their parents are pushing back going, oh, you can't do that, they're going to choke. Um, but it's normally quite common mm. when, you say, when you say to them, actually, there's no evidence to show that they're more likely to choke doing one way than the other. Okay, brilliant. Um, and just to round off, we do actually have some listener questions as well that have come through over the weekend. The first one is, how soon is too soon to introduce water? And what are the reasons to wait so you can, um, I always say to introduce water, basically sips of water with the meals as soon as you start with weaning, but you shouldn't be introducing it um, as its own drink between meals. Um, and you want to be mindful kind of how much your baby, just a few sips is fine. The reason being, you don't want to be displacing the calories that they could otherwise be consuming. So during the day, even if it's very hot, they should be carrying on with um, breastfeeding and milks on demand. Um, if it's very hot, you can think about more hydrating foods like cucumbers, for example, or grapes cut properly. Um, but water can, in theory, kind of make them quite full and displace calories that they'd otherwise be getting. So small sips um, at mm. mealtime as, as soon as you start. Perfect, thank you. Um, and another one we got was, um, the lady said, my seven-month-old only likes really smooth purees. How can we get him to enjoy lumps and starchy food? So we actually have a video on this on our Instagram page. It's a very, It can just be a very gradual process of gradually, as soon as he's comfortable with that smooth one, making it ever so slightly less smooth the next time and then carrying on um, just sort of each time that the baby's comfortably taking that smooth puree, maybe adding a bit less water the next time, a bit less water until finally they're on um, 
a very chunky puree, and that can take a while. Um, but it is important kind of throughout the weaning process that you keep, especially if you're going the spoon feeding route, to keep thinking, how can I keep challenging my baby to get towards those chunkier foods? So it, it can be just minorly different from day to day, but at least giving that a shot. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so another question from a listener um, might be one aimed at you, Emma. Um, how does your nursery deal with babies who are weaning? Um, I have, as I have a little one starting in April. So what do you think, Emma? Obviously, you've got a, a baby weaning in nursery at the moment. Yeah, so um, my little boy started at one of our kids' planet nurseries at um, eight months old. Um, so we kind of we'd been weaning him at home for two months, um, and we had a chat about we had quite a thorough chat about it actually when we went for our settling in days, and um, we just discussed that because I, I did a combination really. I did some purees and I did do baby led weaning as well, um, and they've just kind of taken what I've said and rolled with it um at nursery sometimes he he did tend to resist um any like more solid foods but he has got there now and he's mm. he's eating sandwiches and everything like that <laughs> um which he hasn't even had oh, at wow. home so um yeah he's they've been great um I think you just have to make sure that you communicate um with your with your practitioners really they update everything on the app and it is it is really good I'm really confident in them um feeding him I'm never worried so hope that helps you listener <laughs> yeah brilliant thank you and just as a, like a closing question then um what would you recommend of Katie or Sophie for ease and speed for busy parents who want to give their children high quality food but are stretched for time uh, that's literally why Mama Made exists. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, please do feel free to check us out. Um, get in touch if you've listened. Um, we'll be very happy to share a discount code um, to get you started on your first box. Um, yeah, I started Mama Made because I wanted a lot more help than I was getting, and I wasn't satisfied with what was on the shelf. So, um, yeah, the parents in the Mama Made community tell us that they really appreciate the kind of quality of the food. Um, it's as good as homemade, um, but... Yeah, it's just not. We do it instead. So feel free to check us out. Thank you. That's fab. Um, yeah, so thank you both um, for these amazing tips. Um, I'm sure they'll be of so much use to our listeners, and they definitely will be to me. I've been writing my own notes, actually, as I've been listening to you both talk. Um, so <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thank you both. It's been really great to learn from you both. Um, so join us next time for another episode of All Things Early Years. Thanks for joining us and to our guests today. Tune in next month and in the meantime, pop over to our website and follow us on social media. Kids Planet, working together to inspire your world.